0: Scripture reading before Jordan's lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. Our lesson this morning centers around the idea of sleep. The idea of sleep. And sometimes you have to get out ahead of a joke before other people can make them at your expense. And by that I mean a lot of jokes are made about sermons and preachers and putting people to sleep. So there I've stolen your thunder, and any joke that you feel that you may want to make about me putting you to sleep this morning has already been made. And um, I'll already see it coming if you try to do it afterwards. But did you know that if if you were to fall asleep this morning, I would consider myself to be in good company, because the Bible records that even the great Apostle Paul had a young man, Eutychus, in Acts chapter number 20, fall asleep as he was sitting in a window, and he fell from that window and ended up dying. That's a true story. Read it in Acts chapter 20 if you're not familiar with it. But all kidding aside, as we think about sleep, I'm, I'm... so interested in the concept of sleep particularly because we have a newborn now but as we think about the idea of sleep realize that it's one of those things that have you ever thought of everybody does everyone has to sleep whether you're from russia or singapore canada or mexico no matter who you are sleep is something that is a part of your life and when we think about that in regards to scripture and we think about second peter chapter 1 verse 3 that the bible the scripture contains all things that pertain to life and godliness surely there are some things to think about in regards to the concept of sleep and so our lesson is broken into two parts this morning we're first going to make some practical observations from scripture about sleep and then secondly we'll make some spiritual observations about sleep consider first this morning some practical observations about sleep. From Scripture, consider that sleep was designed and created by God. It was designed and created by God, and, and we think about that. And realize that throughout history, God has used sleep to accomplish certain things. Think about Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 21. And all these more particularly speak about some sort of deep sleep. But if you recall from Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, when the Lord put Adam into the deep sleep to be able to take the rib from his side to create Eve. Or as you think about chapter 15, verses 12 through 21, when the Lord put Abram into the deep sleep. And in that time period, he made that covenant with him, the great covenant that would bring about the Christ. Think about Genesis chapter 37 and verses 5 through 11, in which Joseph had dreams. And those dreams were to be interpreted as, as a certain thing. And, and he, at the time, he didn't necessarily know what they meant, and his brothers hated him for that. But then later on, as we think about chapter 41, verses 1 through 36, and when Pharaoh has the dreams that troubles him, and, and Joseph comes in and, and interprets those dreams, and, and certainly as we think about, that would have been God providentially uh, working that out, And using that sleep period that that, uh, Pharaoh was involved in, even Daniel chapter number 8, in which Daniel is placed into a deep sleep and given a vision of the coming nations. So God has used sleep to accomplish certain things. But even think about this, that Jesus slept. From when I was a young child, I think I've mentioned this before, but even now to my children... As they're going to bed and they're having a hard time falling asleep, we we sing Master the Tempest is Raging, particularly because in the chorus there's that Peace, be still, right? And you think about that in light of what took place in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, as well as in the account of Luke chapter 8, verse 23, in which Jesus is found sleeping at the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a tempest. Master the Tempest is Raging. It's interesting to me that even the strongest of men need sleep and you think about how the fact the fact that oftentimes in perhaps a military endeavor torture is employed by trying to keep people awake for so many hours and so many days everyone needs sleep even the strongest of men these needs- it's interesting to to me that you know there are things that society considers to be manly or at least has in the past and maybe that's kind of going away and looked at as, as wrong or bad Sometimes legitimately, but as you think about what's considered to be manly, it's never looked at as though sleep is necessarily a an unmanly thing. Everyone needs sleep. Even the strongest of people need sleep. And Jesus, the strongest man to ever walk the face of the earth, needed sleep. He even suggested in Mark chapter six, verses thirty through thirty-two to his disciples that they should get away from the crowds to be able to achieve some rest. So Jesus even slept. Consider that sleep helps us. Think about Psalm 139, verse number 14, in which the psalmist says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And part of the creation of us and and the fearfulness and wonderfulness of, of us being made is the fact that God created within us and instilled within us the need to sleep. Think about the fact from a scientific standpoint, the researchers suggest that sleep in simple terms allows your body to recover to relax and recharge. Undoubtedly, sleep helps us. It it does it physically. Think about the lack of sleep, meaning poor physical function, meaning that sometimes you can even be susceptible to sickness if you have, have neglected the sleep that you need. It helps us emotionally. Think about the times that maybe you have reacted to your children or your spouse in a way that you should not have reacted, and primarily it was because you were just stinking tired. I mean, you were dead tired. It helps us emotionally. Think about how we respond to various pressures and stress without sleep. It also helps us spiritually. When we lack sleep and our brain is not firing on all cylinders, how do we respond to temptation? Furthermore, when we stay up late on Saturday night, into all hours of the night, very little sleep can make us late for worship. It can also prohibit us from focusing on and concentrating on spiritual things that will help us grow during our period of worship. And so ultimately, we could say that little sleep and a lack of sleep that is our own accord, that's our own fault, is to be regarded as poor stewardship. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen through twenty, when Paul says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Your body is not your own, or you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body." And so when we Fail to sleep as we should. I'm not talking about a clinical issue here, in which you're physically, maybe chemically, make the makeup of you chemically is is preventing you from sleeping. But when you choose not to sleep as you should, perhaps it is the case that you're being a poor steward because you're not able to glorify God in your body as you should, as you would be able to if you had the proper amount of sleep that you should. With all that being said, we ought to consider that sometimes sleep is inappropriate yes sleep is created by god and it's necessary and and those things with regard to sleep are are good but sometimes we need to consider that that sleep is inappropriate and i say this tongue-in-cheek but during the sermon is one of those inappropriate times to sleep (laughs) but all jokes aside it, it really isn't appropriate to sleep during the sermon not because I'm suggesting that I am worthy of, of your attention or your respect, but rather because God has set up this particular time as a time for worship, as, a, as an act of worship. And though I'm the only one speaking in the sermon, I'm not the only one worshiping during this period. You are worshiping as well. Well, you may, How am I worshiping? You're the one speaking, Jordan. Do you realize that your attention and your attentiveness to the things that are said each and every week communicate they declare that your attention to God's word are worthy of your time, that it's important to you and so by that you are worshiping. But consider that sometimes sleep is inappropriate when we are shirking responsibilities. Think about Jonah Jonah 1 verses 5 through 6 when he was supposed to go to Nineveh but he finds himself in a ship and he's at the bottom of it sleeping think about sometimes sleep is inappropriate when we should be correcting foolish choices or mistakes. You think about Proverbs chapter 6 verses 1 through 5 when the proverb writer suggests that his son shouldn't sleep until he has addressed the poor financial decision that he was that he was in the situation that he was in. Think about in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 through 11 in which just after that, that time frame or that, that section we just referenced about, about correcting a foolish choice, the Proverbs writer says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, you foolish or lazy person. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain or overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in this summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Then verse 9 he says, How long will you slumber or sleep, O sluggard or lazy one? When will you rise from your sleep? Sometimes we can sleep too much. We can just be downright lazy with our sleep. When we ought to rise in the day to accomplish the task and fulfill our responsibilities to glorify God, and we just lay around sleeping. I'm not saying that sometimes that's not necessary because maybe you are just dealing with depression something terrible or difficult has happened in your life or maybe you're trying to catch up on the sleep that you missed because of something else but is it a constant refrain of yours that you are always sleeping and being lazy when you should be doing other things and fulfilling your responsibilities sometimes it's inappropriate to sleep when it's just the wrong time to sleep as we said about the sermon a moment ago but think about in matthew 26 verses 26 through 46 as well as Mark 14, verse 37, when Jesus, just before His betrayal in the garden, asks His disciples to be beyond watch, and they fall asleep. And Jesus comes and He finds them sleeping. What a sad account. And then when re- reconciliation should happen, think about Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26, that, that Paul says that we ought not to allow the sun to go down on our anger, And I know that that in that case particularly he's talking about our wrath, that we ought not to be people that that allow that to happen, and that sometimes when it comes to reconciliation, maybe doing it right this moment is not the exact right time, but we ought not to put it off constantly, that constantly we're just going to sleep, laying our head on our pillow at peace at night, when really we might have at odds with our brother, we should work something out. So sometimes sleep is inappropriate when we're at odds with other people. Consider when it's hard to sleep. When it's hard to sleep. Again, we're not speaking of a clinical issue here, but but maybe we need to consider and work our way through these first before we consider clinical issues. It may be that sin is on our mind. Psalm 36, verse 4. When the distractions of life have stopped and you find a moment of stillness in your bed instead of prayer and meditation, some find themselves planning or plotting to do evil. Sometimes it's hard to sleep because we've filled our plate too full. We have filled our plate too full. The Ecclesiastes writer Solomon said, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. We're not talking about the tryptophan effect of, of Thanksgiving Day when we've eaten too much turkey, we've filled our plate too full in that way, and then that way it's, it's easy to sleep, right? What we're talking about here is. It's hard to sleep because there's so much to worry about. When we have an, an abundance of things and, and an abundance of wealth and riches and, and things that we add to our plate, things that we have to worry about, sometimes it's harder to sleep. Think about the fact that it's hard to sleep sometimes when we're anxious and prayer hasn't been utilized. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-7, through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. When it's hard to sleep, maybe you're not praying as you should. When it's hard to sleep, maybe you're not seeking God's wisdom in the Scriptures. Proverbs 3, verse 21-24, My son, let them not depart from your eyes, speaking of wisdom. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so that they be life to your soul and grace to your neck, Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. And when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, he says, when you're seeking after wisdom, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. When it's hard to sleep, maybe you're not seeking God's wisdom in the Scriptures. Maybe you're worrying or brooding, as, as Nebuchadnezzar was doing in Daniel chapter two verse one, or as Jesus says, we ought not to do in Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 33, that we ought not to be people that worry that this day has enough trouble of its own. We ought not to be worried about the things of tomorrow. We may be just demonstrating or struggling with faithlessness. With faithlessness, recall what Jesus' response was to the disciples as they came to Him. Lord, do you not care that we're perishing as He he was asleep in the bottom of the boat during the tempest? What does He say? Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? I realize that all of these have been negative approaches to thinking about when it's hard to sleep. but, But realize this. We just sang a song before the lesson, Count Your Many Blessings. And you know the the old adage, if you're having trouble sleeping, count some sheep, right? And you you ought to fall asleep after a while. Which really, Christians, maybe you ought to count your blessings if you're having trouble sleeping. Because it'll alleviate some of that stress. It'll alleviate some of that worry and, and, and the things that we're thinking about. And it will point us to the fact that we have sweet peace in Jesus. So some practical observations about sleep. But in the time we have remaining, let's consider some spiritual observations about sleep. I want us to consider some things from a spiritual perspective rather than just the purely physical nature of sleep. First and foremost, I think we need to realize that we need to be careful that we don't fall asleep at the wheel. That we don't fall asleep at the wheel. That is, we need to recognize the danger of spiritual sleep. As followers of Christ, Paul says, it is high time to awake out of sleep. He's not talking about He's not talking about literal sleep. He's talking about this, this theoretical or, or, or figurative approach to sleep, which was people that are, are living as though they're sleeping, living spiritually as though they're sleeping. They're asleep throughout their spiritual life. They're about to be people that awaken from a state of sin, no longer practicing the things of the dark night, but the things of the day, Romans chapter 13, verse 11. But also as followers of Christ, we must awake and arise from the dead, so to speak, come out of our laziness that we not walk foolishly, but that we redeem the time, walk circumspectly redeeming the time because the days are evil, taking full advantage of what we have before us. You know, there's the, the phrase, seize the day, right? But as we think about Christians, redeem the time because we realize that time is fleeting, that our life is short, and that what we do here in this life has an eternal impact on our souls. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Rather, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 6. As children of light, we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord, looking for it, earnestly watching for it, as Paul calls the church at Thessalonica to do. So the question is, as you stand here today, are you asleep at the wheel, spiritually speaking? Are you going through the motions Or are you alert, spiritually speaking? Are you watching, spiritually speaking? Are you sober, spiritually speaking? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? But not only that, realize that everyone wakes up eventually. Everyone wakes up eventually. Notice that sleep is not only used in a figurative sense with regard to maybe walking uh, as though we're sleeping or sleepwalking through this life, but also it's used euphemistically for death. A euphemism is just a softening of, a, of, a, of an idea or a term. We often talk about euphemisms and how we ought not to use them because they stand for maybe a, a swear word, a curse word. But in this case, a, a euphemism isn't necessarily wrong or bad. It's just something that softens the idea of death. Jesus uses it. The idea of sleep being related to the idea of death when he talks about Lazarus in John chapter 11, verses 11 through 13, in which he said, "Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him." And his, his disciples said, "Lord, if he sleeps, he'll, he'll get better. He'll wake up." But they didn't understand that Jesus spoke of his death, verse 13. They thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. But then in, in Matthew chapter nine, verse 24, and Mark chapter five, verse 39, we have the account of Jairus' daughter. Let's turn there in the time we have remaining. Jairus' daughter was our scripture reading earlier. In Mark chapter 5, I want us to notice this beautiful account of Jesus as he goes to a man's house in which he was he was in despair because his young daughter, this man Jairus, his young daughter, had died. She had died. But when Jesus goes into the house, what does he say about her? He says, Don't worry. She is just sleeping. She's just sleeping. Verse 39, the child is not dead. Why make this commotion and weep, Jesus says. The child is sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Verse 40, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, as if for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. One writer said of this particular account, he said, "Jesus says two things to this little girl. The first was to Letha, which is to literally means little girl. But some have suggested that this is kind of a, a pet name, a diminutive term of endearment." He said. In which it's almost like you might say to a little girl, Honey, little girl. And then he says, Kumai, which is to mean arise. Not be resurrected, is what this writer suggests. It just means get up. It's almost like the mother and the father would go in early morning and say, Rise and shine, it's time to get up, sweetheart. And so this writer says, Jesus is facing the most implacable, inexorable enemy of the human race. And such is his power that he holds this child by the hand and gently lifts her right up through it, saying, Honey, get up. Jesus is saying by his actions, If I have you by the hand, death itself is nothing but sleep. It's nothing but sleep. What a comforting thought. That when Jesus has us by the hand, that sleep is that death is nothing more than sleep. In fact, Paul uses sleep to describe Christians who passed on from this life. You think about the fact that in 1 Corinthians chapter First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen through fourteen, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, talking about those that have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Paul uses sleep to describe Christians who passed on from this life but unfortunately, looking at death as sleep as sleep is scoffed at by the faithless. It's scoffed at by the faithless. Mark chapter five verse forty. When Jesus said the little girl was sleeping, they, they ridiculed him. Second Peter chapter three verse four. Paul is addressing. Uh, Peter is addressing those that were saying things continue as they are from the beginning. That since our fathers fell asleep, and they're asking, when is the resurrection going to come? Is it really going to come? the idea of of the resurrection from the dead is scoffed at. But realize, as we think about that today as Christians, we need to ask the question, are, are we scoffers about the return of the Lord? Do we look at death as the real end and fear it with our very being? Or do we confidently view death as a period of sleep? Do you confidently know that our Lord has the power over this period of sleep? That, that we call death. You see, we fear death, but, but the dead in Christ shall rise, Paul says. It's but a period of rest. As sure as the resurrection of Christ happened, you and I can be certain of the resurrection of those who have died in Christ. It's a comforting thought. It's a thought that allows us to finally trust God and go to sleep. Notice that sleep can declare trust in the Lord. In Psalm chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, as well as chapter 4, verse 8, David declared trust in the Lord by going to sleep. Many believe that he was writing this psalm as Absalom, his son, was chasing him, trying to kill him. And he said, basically, as I lay down to sleep, I trust in the Lord to bring me up in the morning again. Sleep can be, in a sense, a declaration of trust in the Lord. But as you think about Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Jesus knew who was in control, capital W, who was in control as he slept through the storm, through the tempest. As we think about that, and we ask the question in that particular case, there were the disciples who came to him Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? And we don't know who exactly said that, which of, of the apostles would have been the ones that, to have said that, but there's a good case to be made that it may have been Peter that said that. Because Peter was the one that was often speaking out of turn before he should have, and, and maybe not de- demonstrating the proper trust that he should have, and, and using his words before, and thinking, not, not, not thinking before he spoke. Turn in your Bibles as we conclude to Acts chapter 12. Because I want us to think about Peter and the potential of him being the one that said, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? And as he grew in his faith, we find him able to sleep even at the point of potentially facing death. In Acts chapter number 12, Verse number one, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church, and he even killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And it's in this context, it's in this historical perspective, that we find in verse number five that Peter was imprisoned. James, the brother of John, had just been killed because he was a Christian. He was being persecuted by Herod, and here's Peter imprisoned as well. Read with me verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Peter's sleeping. He's not just sleeping. He's bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, in essence, to wake him up. Peter was so soundly asleep that an angel appeared, this light shone by him, and the angel had to kick him, in essence, to wake him up. And he said, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Put yourself in the shoes of Peter, who had at one time may have been the one that said... Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? As the tempest was filling the boat. And then a few years later, as he's matured in his faith and his trust in the Lord develops further, he's able to be at the point where he's in prison, chained, potentially facing death as Herod had just killed his brother in Christ. And Peter could be soundly asleep. The question for us is in the face of death, can you pillow your head at night knowing that God cares for His children and that sleep can be compared to death? That just as we wake up in the morning from our sleep at night, when we think about death, the death that we will inevitably face unless the Lord comes back first, that it is just but a period of rest, but a period of sleep, do you look at it that way if you do you're declaring trust in the lord if you don't maybe jesus would say to you as he did to the disciples why are you of so little faith perhaps the number one thing that would and should keep people up at night is knowing the condition of their soul when they are in sin without salvation Don't go get a prescription for some sort of sleeping pill to numb and distract from that issue, from that problem. Instead, come to the great physician who has the perfect prescription for the night terrors that come along with knowing what's eternally in store for you should you not be made right with the Lord. Come to Jesus for salvation. All that's required is for you to have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, responding to it in obedient truth, in obedient faith. Scripture teaches that one must repent of their way of life, turning to God, confessing the sweet name of Jesus, and trusting, submitting to Him in baptism to have their sins washed away. It may be that all that stands between you and a peaceful night's rest is a spiritual bath in the waters of baptism. Maybe you've already been spiritually washed and you've reverted back to the old ways and you're struggling to have to be able to find the, the ability to sleep again. All you need to do is repent. All you need to do is come back to the Lord. If there's anything we can do to help you this morning with the problem of sleep that may exist in your life, we want you to come now as together we stand and as we sing. Amen.